I don't think being a leader is that different from being a mentor or from being a parent, right? If, if you choose to lead, you should be choosing to know, I'm going to pour into these folks. I'm going to give the most valuable thing I have, which is my time and attention. Nothing else I have is worth more, but nothing else I have is more impactful either. So you really see a difference in both the way that the employees and team members start to perform and then just the kind of employees and team members that company then attracts. Welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast with business strategist, speaker and author, Gavin Preston. Tap into this meeting of minds between everyday business people on their journey to master business growth. Join them as they share strategies, insights and shortcuts to help you survive and thrive in business and life as you scale your business and achieve a bigger impact. Hey, Gavin here. I want to get to know you. You're part of my community now. If you are serious about significant growth over the next two to three years, whether organically or through acquisition, let's jump on a call. Let me understand you and your business that much more so that I can come up with some suggestions that you can get on with implementing right now. Go to bit.ly forward slash call with Gavin. That's bit.ly forward slash call with Gavin. Hey guys, welcome back to the Business Mastermind Podcast. And as you celebrate the end of what a year, 2020, looking forward with anticipation for how much better 2021 is going to be. I wanted to get you your great matter working on mindset for the start of your year. So I invited April April Sprints onto the Business Mastermind podcast to talk about her mindset challenge starting in mid-January and um, the steps, simple steps that you can do on a regular basis uh, in a gamified process over 30 days to constantly refine, hone, work on your mindset. We know mindset's everything. We talk about it a lot on this show. And I really wanted to start you off with some practical, you know, kind of like paint by numbers mindset stuff because the word's used a lot in the conversations, but what does it mean, mindset? How can you improve it? What do you need to do on a daily basis to, to work on it? Well, answers to all of those questions are contained with this conversation I have for now with April Sprint and about creating a culture of generosity. Hi, Gavin here. Welcome back to the Business Mastermind Podcast. I am so excited for this conversation. I would like to welcome April. April spritz onto the Business Mastermind Podcast. April works with CEOs and leaders who are usually wanting to build and grow their businesses, to scale their businesses, but they've got a lot on the plate. They're trying to grapple with too many things and they're finding that their culture of their organization isn't necessarily scaling with them. April, welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So please share with the listeners a little bit about your journey. And I believe uh, that your journey started in terms of this work and business at the age of six. It did. (laughs) So when I was really young, I think a, a lot of times we don't really understand our circumstances, right? And what we're born into and, and what have you. And I think in a lot of ways, that's the ignorance is bliss side of life. And I had a, another young child point out to me in the first grade that I was poor. And I was so just scandalized by the thought of it and, and really motivated to fix it that I started my first business, although it was fairly short-lived, of coloring gravel in my driveway blue 
And I really thought at that time, giving it this magical power that anyone who had it could do whatever they believed in. And then took those to school and and sold them to all of my classmates for a quarter apiece. Amazing. And having having seen that story, the the fun thing about it is that they were so popular that your classmates, not only you sold out, but they then didn't have enough money for their school lunch. Is that right? Yes. So that's, that's actually what ended up ending the business. So we were allowed to at that time, if you didn't have money for lunch, you could charge it. But when almost an entire class of first graders charged their lunch, the lunch lady told my teacher (laughs) and the teacher came to talk to the kids and they all had these rocks and they were really excited to tell her about them. So she came to me and, and said, April, what are you doing and why are you doing it? And I shared with her what I was doing and why. And she actually called my mom, which terrified me. And they just explained to me, you know, school's not for selling. School is for learning. So you don't need to do that. And my mom tried to explain to me that being poor wasn't a bad thing. It just meant you didn't have a lot of money. Yeah. But while telling me that she was so upset that still as a little girl, I was like, "Mm, I don't think so. I think that this is something I want to have money until money doesn't matter. So I thought maybe not with these rocks, but I'm going to figure out how to do that. And then uh, when was your next sort of entrepreneurial flair, uh, you know, foray then? So that was a short-lived business of, oh, probably 24 hours, was it, when you were six? Yeah, about, yeah, about 24 hours. I thought it was going to be very long-term. I was going to be a empire. Um, so two things. It's interesting. The next entrepreneurial thing I did was at 12. I actually sold Avon, which I'm not sure oh, if you guys you. have that in the UK. Yeah, yeah. And you were allowed to sell that at 12, were you? Well, so that's kind of an interesting story. I wasn't really forthcoming with how old I was on the phone. <laughs> Excellent. Love it. So it was it was super interesting. But even before that, and it actually ties into everything that I do today, there was a, a woman who was really transformative to my life. And she was the head of human resources at the factory my mother worked at. Okay. And she actually came into our home because my mother had self-identified as having an alcohol problem. And when she did, they said, okay, well, you can either go to rehab or we're going to have to fire you. And that woman actually came to our home to get my mom, but to be there when I came home from school, because she knew that this employee of hers had a child. And not only was she just very gracious and very giving in how she handled that situation, which as you can imagine, was a you know, a really tough day and and somewhat dramatic. Mm. How old were you then? I was nine. Wow. And, but she took me aside and said, I think you are incredibly special. I think you can do amazing things and I want to be your friend. Wow. What a gift. What a gift. Oh, I, at that point, I had never known anyone like her in my life. Mm. I, I didn't know anyone that was that professional, that was that successful. And that I felt like I could do special things in the way that a child does, I think. And everyone else was like, no, no, we don't do that. That doesn't happen for us. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not like you then. And so she was the first person that I could really look up to and really try and model my life after. And what was so powerful about that is, so that did become my way of life, but it also became the way that I did business. Just generously giving that extra effort, giving that extra time. And I saw through my military career, my corporate career, how impactful that was when everyone else had pretty much given up on different situations or clients or things like that, applying that 
type of lens to it and that kind of methodology would change everything. So what's the question that you ask, you know, if you're metaphorically applying a lens, is, is there a, an associated question that you ask? Sure. And it's so simple that people overlook it all the time. And it's going to sound over, overly simplistic, but I can help frame it and help people better understand. The question is, how can I help? Mm-hmm. And you ask that question in reference to your team and your employees. You ask that question in relation to your clients. And you ask that question in relation to your community, whether that's local, national, global, doesn't matter. And what have you seen, not only in your own business and career, but what have you seen within that of your clients, the impact of that question being asked consistently within a culture of a company? So there are several impacts. The first of which that seems to matter to a lot of business owners is tremendous revenue growth in a short period of time. And here's what's interesting. The the generosity culture, either one, sounds like it's too good to be true. I mean, that's a really good idea, but we're we're not going to do that business. Or it really sounds like the long game, right? Okay, well, you work on being generous and in like five or 10 years, things will will start to happen for you. You really start to pay attention to some of the most successful companies in business. They're doing some form of this. They may not be calling it this, but, you know, one of the folks in the U.S. that we look up to as a, a wonderful beacon of sales advice was a gentleman by the name of Zig Ziglar. Yeah, yeah, said, yeah. You can have everything you want if you help enough people get what they want. Yep. And it's not dissimilar from that. And so revenue growth is one. The second of the three things that I see is the the impact on the culture on really approaching your employees, not just as what can you do for me? What kind of output can you bring me? But how can I be of value to you? How can I help you reach your goals with whether it be with your career, your life, et cetera? Not only do they have better loyalty and engagement from the employees, that culture becomes self-fulfilling because the way it should be though isn't it it's that we're we're working we're collaborating together we might have a different plaque on the door or whatever in terms of role in the organization but we're collaborating we're sharing skills time you know resource with each other in order to achieve an outcome and surely i should you know a a chief exec a a ceo a, a business owner as well as having a paid contract. There's a psychological contract with the members of their team as well, isn't there, to help each other? Absolutely. So rarely seen though. It's true. And it's funny because I don't think being a leader is that different from being a mentor or from being a parent, right? Mm. If if you choose to lead, you should be choosing to know, I'm going to pour into these folks. I'm going to give the most valuable thing I have, which is my time and attention. Nothing else I have is worth more, but nothing else I have is more impactful either. So you really see a difference in both the way that the employees and team members start to perform and then just the kind of employees and team members that company then attracts, right? Recruiting becomes easier. Everything becomes easier. And then lastly, from the community aspect, I think of everything as cyclical, right? It all, it it works together. And when you enrich the community in real ways, once again, you're, you're enriching your employees because maybe working at your particular business isn't their purpose in life, but you give them a chance to have an even bigger purpose. And now they're more engaged. And instead of hitting the alarm clock and, oh gosh, I got to go to work again, or, oh gosh, I got to go, you know, into the living room again, because (laughs) remote it's, oh, I can't wait to to get 
in there and start contributing. And conversely, that reputation in the community, again, whether it's local or global, becomes so important and so poignant that, again, people start coming to you. So what's really interesting is with clients I've worked with, they then have to spend so much less time cold calling, prospecting, et cetera, because business starts to come to them through the clients that they've treated so well recommending them and through the community that now is so much more aware of them and wants to be a part of what they're doing. Hey, Gavin here. I want to get to know you. You're part of my community now. If you are serious about significant growth over the next two to three years, whether organically or through acquisition, let's jump on a call. Let me understand you and your business that much more so that I can come up with some suggestions that you can get on with implementing right now. Go to bit.ly forward slash call with Gavin. That's bit.ly forward slash call with Gavin. What are you encouraging your clients to do of of an order of magnitude that Mm -hmm. really accelerates that word of mouth, that inbound inquiry for business? So it is literally as as simple as pouring into their employees and the employees first, because the way you treat your employees models for them how to treat your clients. So you get exponential results. And then it's pouring into your clients because a lot of times what I find, Gavin, is that trouble client, that one that's really just a, a stick in their craw or what have you they're actually pointing out something that everyone's experiencing that can be improved or even better, a way to differentiate themselves in a little bit of a niche of offering a service that other people aren't doing. And then again, investing in that community because it is through that. And a lot of people in sales, they talk about being a hunter or a farmer, right? Yes. Yeah, sure. And they use it, they use it in a more traditional sense. If you're a hunter, you go out and get new business. If you're a farmer, you get business from the folks yeah, that you already yeah. have. I take a different view of farming. So what if we instead looked at farming as I'm going to plant seeds all over the place and by, by helping, right. By being of value to folks, whether they can be my, my client or customer or not, I'm just going to put that all out here. And then I have no idea what is going to sprout up, how big it's going to be and where it's going to come from. And I remove myself from the expectation that if I help you, Gavin, you have to do something in return for me. I just do something for you because it feels good and it is part of that culture I've built. And then I'm constantly amazed by the opportunities and things that come to me. And do you find there's a lag effect on that? Because some people could could challenge this conversation and say, well, it's all well and good. Yes, I would love to be generous with my time, my contacts and, and help people. But I could fill a week doing that and not get any of the day job done. So mm-hmm. what, what, what's your response to that kind of challenge? So what I find, and it depends on where the challenge is coming from. So let's say it's coming from a leader that I'm working with. I know if they say they don't have time to help others, that they could be using their time better. 
And I will generally say, I need you to spend an hour with me. I will give you four a week back for that hour with me. Because what I find is when people are so focused on, I'm so busy, things are so hard, and they're so grinding in their day to day, they're actually doing things that are counterintuitive to being successful. And that is what makes them feel like they don't have the time. Have you ever seen this with employees? Sometimes the, the ones that do the most seem the least busy. Sure. sure. And they always get it done. There's something to that for sure. Where are the typical areas that you can look at where a, a, a leader, a chief exec isn't using their time well? So I find that a lot of times, especially in a small to medium-sized business, the business has grown because this person had an exceptional idea or service and a thing they could do. And it's one of those things of what got you here won't get you there because they feel like they're the only one who can do things. And while they may have pseudo-delegated to their employees, they have an open-door policy, which is actually the employees coming to them and getting them to do the work or answering the questions. So one of the biggest things I do is help them with boundaries of, I need you to guard more of your time to allow your folks to figure things out for themselves. Because unless they are neurosurgeons or running triage in an emergency room, no mistake is going to end up in loss of anything huge. So, and that learning and empowering will be amazing. Can usually just with that change, get an immense amount of time back for that leader. And then they'll trust me with the others. (laughs) I've had that very same conversation with a client of mine over the last seven days and uh, he'd found himself unwittingly with that open door wanting to help wanting to address issues everybody was coming straight to him bypassing his general manager the result is this my client who's a CEO was getting overwhelmed very stressed wasn't getting any time to think and was just getting exhausted i had a follow-up conversation with him earlier today and he's saying you know what i'm i'm set up three days a week i'm not going to go into the factory into the in in, on site until lunchtime and i want that time in the morning to think to plan to work on the things that are most important i feel so much better i'm getting exercise again i'm getting back to the gym etc but i mean that it's very thesis my door's open and everybody's coming in all the time Well, because we're humans, we are wired to do things the easiest way possible. Mm. So if there's someone in our organization that will tell us how and we don't have to research it, of course, that's the method that we're going to go about. So they can protect their time and at the same time, empower their employees to learn for themselves. Absolutely. And that breeds that breeds capability as opposed to dependency over a period of time. So starts with the question, how can I help? Now, so many people ask that question and almost like, how are you? They don't really want to know the answer. (laughs) They're moving on to the next step. So you presumably got to do that with intent, make the ask the question with intent. And then do you also advocate that somebody then follows up with an action very quickly that's a, a help related action? Absolutely. And you're not asking the other person how you can help right? The onus is not on them. Because sometimes when you ask someone, oh, you know, tell me anything I can do. You've actually, in offering your help, you put the burden on them to identify what you could help with. I'm talking about thinking for yourself and and using your, your understanding of the individual or the client and offering. So you come up with three or four things that you think you could do to help. And then those are what you offer them. Would any of these things be of value? And during COVID, this is an exercise that I did with all of my clients, which is 
right now you need to find ways to be of service to your current clients that may have nothing to do with your product, but there's something that you can do well and help them. And you need to be willing to offer different kinds of help to your employees, because that's what will keep morale up. That's what will help you understand where you can pivot your business. If that's something you need to do those sorts of things, but it's not putting the onus on the other person. It's, it's thinking through it yourself and then offering the things you have of value and seeing what resonates the most. That I love that. That takes time. And particularly if you've got a large uh, number of employees in your business to to put that level of quality thought of, to come up with three or four things for each of what could be several, you know, could be even several hundred employees. I suppose with a management structure, you're only dealing with your direct reports, aren't you? You are. And also think about this, right? As, as you're having this conversation, one thing that you think of, I actually worked with a software company out of South America. And one of the ways that we realized they could help is because there were folks who were taking pay cuts for a brief period of time while they were having less revenue than normal because it was a startup. I said, you know, one of the things that would be super valuable is if you offered to give letters about the pay cut to the employees so that they could share those with the folks that they are supposed to be paying. And in situations where it's even more crucial that the managers be willing to call the bank, the landlord, et cetera, and say, look, this is the financial situation they're in. Can you help? And so that's one thought, but that applied to so many different employees. So it doesn't have to be as individual. Although if you're not thinking about it, as an immediate right now, sometime over the year, you would give individual thought to each one of the employees, but a good leader does that anyway. Sure, sure. So you've got a busy type A personality who <laughs> is driving driving for success. Um, what sort of reception do you normally get to this concept or by the time that they're, your paths have crossed, they're very open-minded to it anyway? So by the time our paths have really crossed, they're very open-minded to it. I am very polarizing on purpose because if you get what I'm saying and it resonates with you, it can help you. If it drives you crazy and you want to run from what I'm saying, it wouldn't help you anyway. So that helps both of us. That saves them time and it saves me time. So the folks that I can really make a difference for, they're running towards it. Great. Great. I love that. Um, And I know you link this work to mindset and you like to create challenges to engage people mm-hmm. and um, talk to me about some of the challenges that you the, the mindset challenges that you do so first I'll say that of all the work I've done and I've been so very fortunate to work in large companies that do tons of trainings and things that individuals might not be able to invest in on their own and I've had some spectacular ones from Covey to Tony Robbins to just all these different things nothing has made a bigger impact on my life than mindset work, which I really wish I'd known when I was 20. I would have started early. It would have been, it was amazing. But because of that, and because I do so much mindset work with the leaders that I work with, I actually partnered with a company called Enjoy Global. And they do this amazing 30 day challenge that's gamified. So you can do it on your phone, right? Really? And it's, yeah, it's 30 days of curriculum and it only takes people between five and eight minutes a day. 
and they have all this curriculum that I've pre-prepared for them, but I'm also in the challenge doing it with them so that we can all interact and we can talk about how things change and what they're experiencing. Because what's really amazing is, you know, it takes what, 21 days to form a habit, Hmm. but in about two weeks, folks start experiencing what I love to call coincidences, like these great things that keep happening to them. And it's somewhere around week three or four, they realize that their mindset is actually helping those things happen, but they're coincidences initially. But it's just amazing to watch how just the way someone looks at things changes it for them. And the best example I can give is if you take two individuals who had the exact same thing happen to them. You have one individual whose mindset is just by default. It just is what it is. They don't think about it. They don't try and make it one that works for them. It can be excruciatingly painful and terrible. COVID is a great example, right? It can be just a a horrible experience. Sure. You take someone who does work to have a mindset that works for them, not positive, doesn't have to be Pollyanna. You can still be a realist and have a mindset that works for you. But when you do they have a completely different experience. So people can have the exact same things happen to them and have two totally different lives. When we use the word mindset, it obviously will mean different things to different people. So what kind of uh, tools do you use? What kind of daily practice do you introduce people to encourage them to follow? Really simple things. So simple that people wonder if they would work. So My favorite is every single morning I wake up before I touch my phone, get out of bed, anything. I spend 30 seconds, just 30 seconds listing the things that I really appreciate, the things that are really awesome to me. And they could be the kind of sheets that I have, you know, they could be my puppy dog. They could be some big, huge thing. It doesn't matter. But starting my day off with that kind of momentum has a tremendous impact on my entire day. And I can use that same exercise to reset myself in other parts of the day too. Things that are just as simple as that. So they're all little exercises that you don't need anything to do them. I mean, maybe sometimes you need a pencil, but not really. (laughs) Give me an example of them. So you'd start off with 30 seconds thinking about what you appreciate, what you're grateful for. What would be another one, another thing that you do regularly? So another one would be, I love the, the, wouldn't it be great if game. So when you're already in a bad place, because I don't care how much work you do on your mindset, life happens. People can hear yeah, you yeah. Know, in the U.S., the cable company does it for a lot of us. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So you get in that place where you know that you're not in that area that you want to be in. So you just, let's say you're in really bad traffic. And so you tell yourself, well, wouldn't it be great if and you can say anything you want, because actually, the more outlandish it is, the faster this works. So I will say things like, wouldn't it be great if all of these other cars pulled off to go to the bathroom right now and there was no traffic and I could just sail right through? Or, wouldn't it be great if my vehicle just sprouted wings and I could <laughs> And what's so amazing is you just change your state entirely, you get in a better place where if the traffic stays terrible, you're okay. You can handle it. It's not a big deal. What happens more often than not is, and the traffic opens up and it seems like it didn't even take that long. And you're like, this is good. Love that. Love that. Wouldn't it be great if, and you have Mm -hmm. fun with that. I think kids are the best at it. If you enjoy this exercise, they yeah. can come up with way better stuff than we do. 
Yeah, well, that's uh, that's a new car game for for us then. Better than I Spy. <laughs> Got a bit I bored of I Spy. <laughs> fun. Yeah, a lot more fun. Wouldn't it be great if? Okay, let's let's share a third one. A third one of these really powerful, t- yeah. b- b- fun techniques. Absolutely. So another one that I work with folks on is just reframing things. So this requires a little more faith and a little more belief. But if you do it a few times and you see how it works out, it becomes easier and easier. How would I feel about this situation if I just assume it's working for me instead of happening to me? And so you start to think of ways that not getting that job you wanted would be a blessing, right? There was a, there was a job that I very much wanted before I started my company that I wanted, I wanted to go work for a company that had like the most amazing culture I'd ever experienced. And I went there, I had great conversations with them. I felt like I was a shoe in. And then in the end, they said, you know, the company that you're with, we have an agreement with them that this doesn't technically violate, but it violates the intent. If we were to allow you to come, you're their top salesperson, that sort of thing. And in my mind, I was like, well, I could focus on being disappointed, but this is exactly why I love that company. Because who would do that? Who would say it violates the intent behind it? I'm like, they're amazing. I'm just going to assume this is working for me. Well, four months later, I started Driven Outcomes, which I never would have started had I been given that position. So that's what you think about. What are all the ways? And you'll never think of all of them. But focusing that way really helps you in the moment think, okay, this, this could happen. Now, it's not like that. And there are times when any one of these exercises would just piss you off. Like sure. you don't want to do it. Right. Like yeah. let yourself have that moment. Let no, this isn't happening for me. No way is this happening for me. Yeah. Yeah. So let yourself have that moment. You know, yeah. when COVID first happened, I had a full day pity party because yeah, yeah. of the things that had been canceled that I was so looking forward to. And as soon as I was done with my pity party, I asked, okay, how could I help? Who could I help? What could I do? And that focus, and this is actually a fourth exercise, now focusing on other people instead mm-hmm. of me mm-hmm. gave me a totally different perspective because by giving other people value, I could find value in a pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And with some of those uh, client assignments canceled or postponed, then you had more time to add more value in terms of relationships and to do more of the, the generosity piece. Great. Talk to me about the gamification then. So how does the challenge work with the gamification? So basically you get points for everything that you do and there are prizes at the end, which is fun. And it's, it's a lot of push this button, do this, push this button, do this. So you get rewarded immediately for the different actions that you're taking, all of which are contributing to improving your mindset. Fantastic. But I think the key, the, the key principle here is it's consistent daily activity to work on your mindset. It's not, I, I spend some time thinking about it for one week and then that's, that's mindset takes for the year, is it? It's a, it's a, it's a daily practice. It, it really is. And you know, Gavin, I find this all the time and I was very guilty of this. You know, I always wanted to take massive action, like do a whole lot really big. Like if I was going to get in shape, I wanted to go to the gym for three hours and then see my abs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Never happens by the way yeah yeah. 
what I didn't understand until probably the past few years is the value of small, consistent actions. So when you start adding things up for people, like the folks who are like, I'm not a good reader. So I read 10 pages of a book a day, but as a result, I read 12 books a year. Right. And so it's that little bit of action over time. And what was really cool about this mindset challenge is it's all my curriculum. It's all my exercises. Right. But I did it alongside everyone because I don't ask anybody to do something I wasn't doing. Sure. And it improved my mindset. And I did not expect that. I did not expect that, you know, this far into the game you can still get even better with that consistent practice, which really excited me and was a lot of fun. There's a, there's a strong authenticity there, isn't it? If you're working alongside the people that are doing it, you're part of that journey. You know, you, you know, to know not to do is not to know or you're doing it alongside them. Absolutely. And it, it was so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. And what do people typically say after, did you say it was 30 days, the challenge? Mm-hmm. It is. So what, what feedback do you get in terms of how they feel the changes both materially in their world and um, also in terms of mental health? What, what are some of the things that show up for them over that 30 day period? I have to be candid with you. I was I was taken aback by this in, in the best way. So I had a, a military leader that was in my challenge and she had such an amazing experience and said, this changed everything from my workouts to the way I relate to my, my other senior leadership, to the way I relate to my troops, to the way I look forward to my free time. She said, I had no idea it would impact so many areas of my life. She, and she literally said, and I actually have this quote, so I don't feel badly saying it out loud, but it changed me as a person. I'm a different person than I was 30 days ago to the better. Wow. And I was because candidly, Gavin, I was a little worried doing the challenge. What if it's not enough? What if, because I, I work a lot of times with companies and I'm there and it's me. And even though I'm in this challenge with them, is it too diluted? Is it not going to work for them? But I had a, a great impact from her. I've had folks who asked to take it again and not because they didn't think they got it, but because that routine and that process for them made such a difference when they'd been out of it for about a week or two. They're like, I miss it. I miss doing that every day. That really changed things from my perspective. And I don't think it takes a ton of work. I think to your point earlier, it does take work every day, just some intentionality around it. And the mindset challenge really helps them with that. Right. Um, you mentioned military there. You've got a military background in terms of your own career and, and supporting veterans is something that's really close to your heart, something really important to you. Yes, absolutely. I love veterans because there are so many folks who, who serve and, and do so many important things, and I always want to support them. Right now, I actually have a, a book that's out. It's called Standing O Salute by Scott McGregor that I contributed a chapter to. There are 43 veterans in all that contributed to it, many of them famous. I'm the least interesting one, just so everyone knows. But we all talk about the person who was transformative in our life who either mentored us or made such an impression on us. And the entire proceeds of that book, and you can get it on Amazon, go to the Special Operations Warrior Foundation to help the families of veterans who have given the the greatest sacrifice in battle, as well as wounded veterans. And the name of the book again? Is Standing O, like ovation, Standing O, Salute. Great. 
And what sort of um, that that must be so packed with really powerful insights with people with that background, that pedigree of training and leadership to be sharing the stories of what's impacted them significantly. Each chapter must be have have some real pearls of wisdom. I, I absolutely think so. Candidly, Gavin, I'm not sure how I made it in because I feel like <laughs> both have way better pearls of wisdom than I do, but just reading through it, it, it's really monumental. Some of the things that people shared. And, and like I said, some of these folks are, are legitimate war heroes. People yeah, will sure. know who they are sure. and that the fact that they would donate their time, right. So that all of, and not just the profits, right. Even the proceeds, everything goes to help people. It just, it's very near and dear to my heart. And um, I think that's really important to ha- to have a calling like that. That it's back to the generosity piece where we started, isn't it? It's just a, a another expression of, of you being generous and having a bigger purpose that fuels what you do. Oh, absolutely! So, how do people find out more about driven outcomes? Find out more about you, April. And of course, the mindset challenge as well. Sorry. Oh, no, absolutely. So I would love for folks to connect with me on LinkedIn. I update everything that I'm doing there. And I really make a a significant effort to constantly put out content that helps folks with all these different things. So that if you're not in the position to work with someone like you, Gavin, or someone like me, you're still getting that value Mm. and you're you're getting the things that you need. Uh, Also, my website is drivenoutcomes.com. There are a lot of free resources there too that you can access that can can help you with your business. And for the mindset challenge, I will be letting folks know and putting a sign up on the website. If you just fill out any of the contact forms on the website, I'll be letting you know about it too. It's going to start mid-January, a little past when everybody's doing all their New Year's resolutions, but when life has gotten back to a little bit of normal after the holidays. Fantastic. I'm sure there'll be plenty of people listening to this on both sides of the pond that would uh, will be checking out the Mindset Challenge in January because I think after 2020, I think a new focus for 21 in life and in business is absolutely needed. She's fantastic. April, thank you so much for your time today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Hey, Gavin here. I want to get to know you. You're part of my community now. If you are serious about significant growth, over the next two to three years, whether organically or through acquisition. Let's jump on a call. Let me understand you and your business that much more so that I can come up with some suggestions that you can get on with implementing right now. Go to bit.ly forward slash call with Gavin. That's bit.ly forward slash call with Gavin. You've been listening to the Business Mastermind Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate and review so that more people like you can get their business back on their own terms, enjoy more success and create more impact.